following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Jesse is going to read our call to worship. So the call to worship is from Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 34. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who are chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. I will introduce our speaker to you now, and then we will have our gospel reading. So our speaker today is our very own Dr. Kristen Brown, uh, who is a brilliant and capable leader and has been an integral part of uh, Artisan's life for many years now. She, at the moment, is the chair of our leadership team and... um, by the way, is doing all kinds of uh, legal behind-the-scenes work for us right now, uh, or coordinating with our, our legal team to do some of the things that we are doing um, as we make an um, institutional transition right now that probably is not a topic for Easter Sunday, but I just started talking about it anyway. Um, I just wanted to say thank you publicly to Kristen because she's been doing a lot of work on that particular project. <laughs> um, yeah, you could, you could applaud that, certainly. And because it probably would be weirder if I didn't now tell you what that was for you. If you didn't know, you'd probably be like, what happened? Is there a lawsuit? Uh, no. Happy Easter, everybody. We, uh, last year, made a decision as a church to uh, separate from our denomination because of our full and full-throated and voiced uh, affirmation of LGBTQ plus people in the life of the church. Um, We are so grateful to those of you who are part of that community who make us better. And it just wasn't working for us in that situation anymore. And so we had to to make that separation point. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because I didn't want you to be worried it was something bad. It's actually something good. (laughs) Um, But Kristen's been helping coordinate with the the folks who are doing things like reincorporating our nonprofit and all that stuff. I promised myself I wasn't going to talk about nonprofit law on Easter. (laughs) But here I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, I will I'll wrap it up shortly. I want to tell you that Kristen is a wonderful, brilliant person. She's a vice president uh, at Roberts Wesleyan College. During COVID, she finished her PhD. What did you do during lockdown? <laughs> like, I, I baked two loaves of bread. Kristen finished her PhD. So Dr. Kristen Brown will be bringing a powerful word um, Uh, very shortly. But I'm going to get out of the way and let the the gospel reading be read. So uh, if our reader could come forward, thank you, Allie, um, for reading with us today. 
Our gospel reading today is from Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to the sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping in and looking in, and saw the linen clothes by themselves. And then he went home, amazed at what had just happened. Good morning, and happy Easter. It's so good to be with you this morning. And thanks to Scott for letting me um, bring a word from the Lord on this Easter Resurrection Day. Uh, as, so I, I know I've met some of you. As Scott said, I've been here for a little while, about five years at Artisan and chair of the leadership team. And some of you I met, you know, pre-COVID and you might remember me. I might remember you. I might not remember you having met you pre-COVID or during COVID on the Zoom screen. So COVID amnesty for all the people in the room today, if this is your first Sunday back and you're like, I don't recognize any of these people, welcome. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. So let me reintroduce myself for those of you who uh, maybe it's been a while since we were acquainted. My name is Kristen Brown and I have been artisan for five years and currently serve as the chair of the leadership team. I moved to Rochester in 2017. And I work to, in order to work at Northeastern Seminary and Roberts Wesleyan College, which is where I currently still work. I am the Vice President of Student and Organizational Development, which is a long title that nobody should have to have all of those words all at the same time. Um, but as I like to say, I'm the Vice President of the people. All the people at Roberts in some way get to relate to my world, and I love that. And I also get to teach from time to time when I have the time and they let me. And I teach in the area of Christian leadership and mission. I actually teach a class on evangelism. And you can ask Allie if it's any good, because she has taken this class. It's great. <laughs> um, but that's, evangelism is one of those church words that maybe you're, like makes you a little bit nervous that we're even now talking about it this morning. And you are just kind of remembering all of the times that people use that word to talk about things like hell and damnation. But honestly, evangelism is, it's the, it comes from the same Greek root as the word gospel. And it literally means good news. It means to share good news. So I'm not 100% sure how we got 
so far off course with that word over the years. And if you don't want to redeem it, that's fine with me. Uh, But I think the idea of it is something that needs to come back to life for us again. And, And here's the deal. Like, I went to school for 25 years so that I could say that. That this word is maybe gone off the rails and we need to bring it back. So I've made the room a little bit nervous that we're going to be talking about evangelism. So we're talking about nonprofit law and evangelism on Easter Sunday. Welcome to Artisan. We're so glad you're here. (laughs) But what we celebrate today on Easter Sunday is the ultimate expression of God's good news for the world. The conquering of death and the victory of life, bringing hope for the remaking of all things. It is a reason to celebrate. It's a reason to hunt for Easter eggs and eat chocolate bunnies and jelly beans. If you could find them on your shelf at Wegmans, they were not on my shelf at Wegmans. Whatever you do to celebrate today, this is the reason for our celebration. So it's been kind of fun for me to get to think about this message and this day and what God might have for us to hear this morning. And to be honest, I have been a pastor for 15 years and a preacher for 15 years, and this is my first ever Easter message. Because Easter is a power Sunday in the church. It's the Sunday that, you know, lots of people come, and senior pastors love to preach on Easter, and the people are expecting to see the main guy. Over the last few weeks, I've told a lot of people, you know, I'm, I'm preaching on Easter, and they give me this funny look, and they're like, oh, well, what church are you preaching? I was like, oh, my home church. Sort of like, who does a guest speaker on Easter Sunday? They know this isn't, you know, like my day job. And I just look at them, and they say, well, you know, my church is really biblical. We take the Bible super seriously. And the plain reading of the Easter text says that the original preachers of resurrection were the women. So, you know, we're just trying to live out what the text says. Because it was the women. Did you hear that in the text today? It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the others who were with them who told the news of the resurrection of Jesus to the apostles. We hear a lot about the apostles. We hear about Peter and James and John. Most of the New Testament stories are written about them or from their perspective. So we're sort of trained to think of the men as the apostles and messengers, the preachers of the good news of Jesus. Well, guess who they learned it from? From the women. I told Scott it was going to be a decidedly feminist message, and he said he was here for that, so here we go. (laughs) The women who were at the cross on Friday who made sure Jesus' body had a a place to be buried. If you look back in Luke chapter 23, right before the text from this morning, you see how prominent the women were in the narrative. These women went home to prepare spices to honor him. And when the other disciples left Jesus, when they denied knowing him, the women were there. 
And they showed up early Sunday morning to care for him. When you hear people tell you that all of Jesus' disciples abandoned him and he died alone, don't believe it. The women were there. They stayed, they returned, and they were ready when the angels on Sunday morning said, I have good news for you. How is this not a feminist message, I ask you? How do you tell the story of Easter and not talk about the role the women have played in the history of telling good news? These women stand in a long line of women who brought God's message of hope and purpose and passion and love for the world. Women like Miriam, if you don't know her, she was the sister of a guy named Moses. We often tell the story of Exodus from the Hebrew Bible, which is the story of the people of God who were being brought out of slavery in Egypt. And we associate that journey with Moses. Moses was the great leader of the people. But the prophet Micah in the Hebrew Bible says God brought the people out of slavery led by Moses and Aaron and Miriam. It wasn't Moses alone. Miriam was right there with him. She actually wrote the song included in the story just after they escape and they cross the Red Sea. It's a song of salvation. It's a story of the glory of God and all that God has done for them. And they are her words. She was the teller of the news. And it's been recorded in scripture and handed down from generation to generation. Or another one of my favorites, Esther. My first ever sermon in a church was the book of Esther. Preached the whole book. I worked in a church in Kansas City at the time. And it was actually, to be real honest, it was a church in a denomination that didn't really have a lot of room for um, women who were called and gifted by God. They like didn't really know what to do with that fact. But this little church said, like, hey... Yeah, we, we get it. You can come. You've got a message for us. And so I, I preached at this local church that, like, didn't have women preachers. So it was, this, it was a very strange uh, situation. But for two years, I was there as their pastor. And so my first sermon was the book of Esther. They probably, like, knew what they were getting as soon as I preached my first sermon. And... Um, But the book of Esther is a story of, like, a terrible system. This woman who's caught in this terrible system and uh, is, like, given as a prize, a beauty prize to a king. But she uses her position and her cunning to sort of outwit the, um, the advisor of the king who wants to destroy her whole family and all the people of God. And she saves her people. I titled my message that Sunday, Esther, a woman who knew her place. And she did. She was a leader and a savior of her people. She was a hero. Her salvation story is still celebrated today. Just about a month ago, the Jewish people celebrated Purim. And that is the the celebration of the story and the salvation of Esther. And of course, there are so many more. Women like Deborah and Anna and Mary and Elizabeth and Lydia and Junia and Priscilla. All women whose stories are found on the pages of scripture. 
women who were leaders and teachers, who led house churches, who financed ministries. Some of these women we know a lot about, and some we don't know very much about. But their work and their witness carry on through the centuries, and in the voices of the many, 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 many women who have followed in their footsteps and have told with their lives and words the good news of Jesus, that God's power is remaking the whole world. I love these women. They give me great hope. They're, they're our ancestors. And then comes the line in the story uh, that, you know, it makes me laugh, that exasperated laugh, that it's like, well, of course, of course that happened next. I'm, I like the New International Version, the way it says it, and Luke just sort of matter-of-factly says, but they did not believe the women. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> I, I do love that it's included because it really rounds out the whole story, right? The whole picture. The inability of the church to listen to unexpected news from unexpected voices is not new. It is as old as the story that defines our Christian identity. On Easter, they did not believe these messengers. I want to pause on that for just a moment because that should serve as a warning and challenge to us. These men, who had been with Jesus for three years, his close disciples, almost missed the most important news of their lives and the key of Jesus' entire ministry. They weren't expecting the message, and they weren't expecting the messengers. And I have to look back in my own life sometimes and ask myself the same question. Are there things I'm missing because the news is coming from voices I wouldn't expect or it sounds different than I would have thought? Unfortunately, the tragic history of the church is a story of missing it over and over again. I won't go into all the details because it's not very Easter-ish. But let's just say... There's nothing new under the sun. This has happened over and over. But I'll give these men this, at least. They believed enough to go see for themselves. So that's something. They were willing to look into it. It was a strange message, and they weren't sure about the messengers, but at least they went far enough to say, I wonder if this is true. Let me go explore and to be led by the Spirit in that. So if someone tells you God is up to something, even if it's something you can't quite understand, this is all I ask. Can you check it out? Would you be open at least that far? To close yourself off from the stories of God's activity in the world because they don't fit exactly the narrative that you understood, what you were expecting, is to close yourself off from Easter. There was an expectation of how Good Friday would end, and Easter was a surprise. So that's what could have happened to these men. Don't let it happen to you. Let's not let it happen to us. Okay, so what about these women? Especially... 
Why, why were these women given this message? Especially if the cultural narrative was not to believe women, which the cultural narrative was not to believe women. Honestly, this is a big event. We are still celebrating it millennia after it happened. And women at that time were not considered reliable sources of information. So why would these women have been given the news of all news, the gospel of all gospels, that Jesus is not dead, the tomb is empty, the victory of the one who can restore all things? This is not small news. So why would Jesus tell these women? Well, I've heard pastors say uh, it was a way of showing the truth of the message, that that if you were going to make up a story, you wouldn't put women in the main communication role, which, that's okay, maybe that's right, I don't know. Uh, I just don't think that Jesus cared very much about those types of things. It does say a lot about how women were viewed at the time. So why do I think Jesus trusted such a crucial message to these women? Well, I think because they showed up. They were there on Sunday morning. They were waiting and ready to care for Jesus' body. Did they know that he was not there? No. They thought they were coming to mourn for this man who had welcomed them to be his disciples who would let them sit and learn from him, which was not a vocation open to women very often at that time. So they showed up out of respect and to remember the life of this man who had been their champion. What I have found to be true in many instances is that the people who do not benefit from the world as it is, who are relegated to the margins of society and church history, are often in the best position to receive the good news of the world being remade and to share that news with others. When the world is working well for you, you aren't really paying much attention to where God might be making things new out of the old, where God is overturning the rules of the world and offering an alternative way. Whereas the prophet Isaiah says, swords are being turned into gardening tools and deserts into flowing streams. Why were these women the messengers? Because they were ready for it. They showed up for it. They were looking for it and willing to see beyond their current situation to the hope and new life Jesus offers. This can be a hard truth for us sometimes, especially for those of us for whom the world is going pretty well. It can be hard for us to open our eyes to be present for the new things of God and to do uh, the, the new things that God desires to do in our lives. And that's especially true, I think, when there are some things that start to upset our status quo. They make us a little nervous and we're not sure what to do with them. But that's the message of Easter. What do you do when dead people rise again? God is full of surprises. Don't let God stop surprising you. I was at a conference once and I heard someone, one of the speakers, say uh, that he had most of the Bible figured out. Which, 
Okay. He was an he was an older man, and if I was going to be generous to what I think he was trying to say, which I will be, um, he I think he was trying to say to challenge people to spend their lifetime coming to understand scripture and um, you know reading the Bible and seeking understanding, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing to do. But what he actually said was that there were only two passages in the Bible he didn't think he understood. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm behind. Uh, but I heard that, and I actually thought, how sad for him that there is no surprises left. He's not open to that. Honestly, I think that is most of the message of Scripture, Just when you think you have it figured out and you know how the plot line is going to go, God will surprise you. And the surprise usually comes from unexpected voices. That's what we have in our Easter story today. And it's actually not the only story in today's lectionary that has this as its theme. So I'm just going to touch briefly on the other one. If you were uh, with us for the beginning of the service, which no shade if you weren't with us for the beginning of the service, we started off the service this morning with a reading from Acts chapter 10, and it's Peter sort of telling the story of good news. But what wasn't in the short text we read, the, you know, the lectionary picks the passage, and what isn't included in that part of the story is sort of the background that got Peter to where he was, where he could say with confidence what he said. So what got left out of the lectionary this morning, starting in Acts chapter 1, is a story of a man named Cornelius. And uh, this is what it says. I'll just read to you Acts starting in verse 1. Acts chapter 10 starting in verse 1, which is the, the preface to our reading from today. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, which when the Bible uses the word God-fearing, it's usually like people that worship God, and it was kind of surprising to other people that they did. He was devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. That is how Peter met Cornelius. So Cornelius sent this team of people to go... Uh, meet Peter, and Peter came and told Cornelius and his whole household about Jesus and the resurrection. And it might seem from the story, especially the part that we read earlier, that Peter was the one with news to share. But Peter couldn't actually have spoken the words that he did without learning from Cornelius. This is how Peter started. I now know that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Peter didn't know that, actually. Before this passage, Peter was actually pretty convinced that God does show favoritism, and Peter was a favorite. And I 
will say, you know, it took Cornelius and it also took like three visions and a direct word from the Lord because Peter is who he is and he has trouble believing things. But he does come around and we like that about Peter. Peter learned from Cornelius that the love of God was wider and farther and longer than he had ever imagined. We see this all over the place in scripture. God uses these unexpected voices, unexpected news, to open our eyes to all that God is doing. If you think way back to the beginning of the story of Jesus... And the sort of original announcement of the birth, right? It was from shepherds. And there were these like kings from far off countries that were involved. Outsiders. Those who are often rejected by society. Those whose voices are not heard and believed. These are the people entrusted to share good news with the world. They are our evangelists. So what is evangelism? (laughs) Today I think it looks like making room for new voices. Making space in our lives for fresh words about what the justice and peace and joy of the kingdom of God is really like. Just like these women who were given the message to tell the apostles, he is not dead. And Cornelius, who was given the message to tell Peter... God doesn't have favorites. All are welcome. It's easy to tell our own stories or to listen to stories that sound exactly like ours. But uh, I studied, as, as Scott said, I finished my dissertation last year. And in my study, I studied the work of a theologian from Ghana named Kwame Bidiako. And um, he talks about it in a way that I really love the image he uses. He says, the goal is not just to see God through our own eyes, but to see what he calls new facets of the diamond. The God who is and does immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. That is what these women on Easter morning have to tell us. That is what Cornelius had to tell us. And it is what many, many saints, unknown and known to us throughout history, and even in our own day, will have to tell us if we can just listen. One of the things I love about this community artisan is the many, many voices that we hear from who are showing us new facets of the work of God in the world, in Rochester, uh, well beyond in our Zoom community. Keep doing that. Keep sharing the good news of what God is doing in your life and in the world around you. You are our evangelists of the good news message of Jesus. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.